0: It just
1: made me laugh so you're gonna have to do it anyway. Sorry about that. (laughs) Like,
0: this again should be the intro.
1: Okay, so (laughs) welcome back to Play Hype Dialogue. This is Mela, Carlos, and Omar. We're coming at you with a brand new episode, and I do not have a snappy intro except to say that it's about to get super in hero. And for that, (laughs) I am. E- eternally grateful. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, everyone listening. I had to do it. Um, we're here today, getting ready to talk for the first time, I think, about a movie from the MCU. So we're diving into the whole superhero trope, and we're going to be talking about Eternals, which just recently came onto Disney Plus. What up? at home streaming so we were able to watch it a little bit and we're going to talk it's such a long movie that hits so many beats so mm-hmm. we have lots to talk about a lot of socio-historical context um so I'm really excited to hear your opinions on it I actually saw it a while ago I saw it did I see it in theaters I think I did um but Carlos and Omar, you guys both just recently watched it and I yeah. did do a rewatch to get ready for the episode so first things first I guess First impressions, what did you think of the movie? Um, Omar, you want to start?
0: Yeah, I liked it. It was a little long, um, but it wasn't like there wasn't too many boring parts. I remember, like, I was like, oh, the whole movie is going to be just them slowly collecting each other. Mm. Like, hey, it's two of us. Now it's three. Now Mm. it's four. (laughs) I was just like, yeah. I was like, I was like, if this final battle isn't like incredible, and then I was like, "It's not that it was a, it wasn't that great of a, a final battle. It was just like, oh, it's, I don't know. I don't like the whole like one member's overpowered kind of trope thing. Mm. Like I'm like, really, it took all of them to take Icarus down, and even then it didn't work. Mm. Like it took his love for Cersei that took him down. Like come on."
2: I mean Makari did whoop
0: his ass. Like she, she did whoop his ass, man. <laughs> she did. I'll be honest. That was like my favorite part. You know what is actually super interesting? Um, not to like shift gears, but how all of them, when he like kind of got shitty, everyone's like, I've been waiting. <laughs> and I'm like, what does that say about him? The whole time they were all like annoyed, like like all of them. The's like, Oh, I've been waiting for this day. Like Fastos was like, Boy, I have been. Dying to clip those damn wings. I was like, damn, they never
2: liked him. That's hilarious. I mean, <laughs> that's how it be in family sometimes. It's like everybody got that uncle, that cousin that is like, this mom.
0: <laughs> I was cracking up. How, I thought everyone was going to be like devastated. They're all like, bitch, I knew who you were. <laughs> like,
1: Hilarious. They were like, I've been waiting. I've been <laughs> waiting to give you a fucking SmackDown. Excuse my language. <laughs> <laughs> um, Carlos, what, what were your first thoughts?
2: I mean, I just watched it last night for the first time. Um, I watched it with my mom um, because she hadn't seen it either. And it was really good. I really enjoyed it. There were some parts where I was like, well, that is going to be a (laughs) talking point in the episode. Cause I'm like, no. So I'm texting our group that I'm like, yo, can you believe that that that, that just happened? And I was like, did you finish it yet? No, I didn't finish it yet. I'm going to withhold my comment until you finish. I'm like, okay, mama, I'll wait. (sighs) Overall, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the after-credit scene um, mm-hmm. for what it hinted at. And then with my uh, prep for the episode, um, who it is uncredited and what that means for the MCU, I'm very excited. Um, and we'll get I more into to that. research that because I didn't get it. Who is he supposed to be? So mm-hmm. that is apparently Mahershala Ali, and he is coming yeah. into the MCU as Blade. Yeah, I didn't realize that Blade was MCU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's Marvel.
0: Yep. Wait, so but, now he's
2: coming into the MCU. Then who's Kit's
0: character when he like found the sword? I was like, is he King? The Arthur? Black Knight. A white guy? Yeah, because it's, it's not, like I black is in the I armor he wears. Awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the the the, the mid-credit scenes and the post-credit scenes were pretty interesting. In terms of the film, so I, like, in the lead-up to this film coming out, I was really excited for it because I was just like, this looks so dope. I'm a fan of the MCU. It's, like, my one superhero genre. Like, anything that's from the other universes, I'm not so into, but I got really into the MCU. And the concept looked really exciting and interesting and new direction. Um, Then when it came out, I feel like it was getting some pretty crappy reviews, um, which it still does have some pretty crappy reviews. I think instead it has some of the lowest critical reviews of the MCU, but not such a low audience score on Rotten Tomatoes for whatever that's worth. I enjoyed it. I went in almost with like kind of lowered expectations, I guess, because Mm -hmm. people were saying it wasn't great. I enjoyed it. I do think it dragged in the second act. Um, And Omar, what you were saying um, where they were going around collecting people even though you said you were worried it would take even longer I thought that dragged a little bit like
0: yeah
1: I thought the first act and the third act were stronger and in the middle it just kind of like feels like it just could have been trimmed a little bit um, and I think ultimately I, en- I enjoyed the second watch because I watched it this week in preparation for our episode and I did um, I think I enjoyed it more on the second watch because I was able to enjoy the character moments. Some of the humor was pretty funny. There's multiple characters that I, I found really likable, which is always a good time. Um, but I think ultimately, like like a lot of people have said about it, it was kind of a lot a lot to introduce in one movie. Yeah. So I I was I was kind of left feeling like I wish it was just a series, like a on a Disney Plus series of like six. Hour-long episodes or something, um, but I think that it worked as a movie too. Um, and there's like Carlos said, definitely lots to talk about.
0: Yeah, there were so many Eternals. I think that's why it took so long. I mean, that's how the
1: thing. Was... Sorry, Omar, go ahead.
0: No, no, I was just asking. Like, how big was their team? It was like ten. Yeah, that's a lot for a superhero movie. I think. I think.
1: And we had to be. We had to meet all of them. Plus, we also met Dane Whitman aka Kit Harrington, like we had to meet his character a little mm-hmm. bit. We had to meet yeah. all the Eternals and then go through all of human history. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a tall yeah. order.
2: Yeah, it was a lot of world building they had to do because mm-hmm. we know the MCU in a lot of ways, but we don't fully know how much of the canon Marvel universe they're going to bring in. So the Eternals have been name dropped, but we haven't really talked about them. The Celestials have been name dropped, but we haven't talked about them. Um, When we introduced the Guardians of the Galaxy, which was kind of like a B team in Marvel, we sort of had a smaller team to introduce um, because it's uh, like five people versus this 10. um, And then we were able to build on them in other MCU movies. But I think given that they had to introduce 10 people, I feel like we got to know most of them pretty well. I agree. There were some pieces that were a little tough that we'll get to in a little bit, like with Sprite. Um, But I think overall they did pretty good introducing everyone and, giving us the world that these characters have inhabited. So
1: while we're talking about characters and before we get into like the deeper critiques that I know we're all chomping at the bit to get to, let's just talk for a minute about favorite characters. And there were so many, there were so many uh, Eternals introduced. So I was thinking maybe we could say like, who is your favorite character um, in terms of just like likability or who you related to and then who had maybe the coolest power. Um, I know technically they all have the same powers, sort of, but some of them are better at at, at particular things. Maybe favorite character and then favorite power.
2: You guys go first. Arlo. So I love Kumail Nanjiani, so... Oh his God. character, Kingo, was, like, <laughs> it was a little silly, like, the the finger guns <laughs> that turned into power blasters. But, like, I could watch him do anything and enjoy it. Like, I've seen so much of his work. Um, so I really enjoyed his character and the life he brought to it. When he left later in the story and wasn't really there for the, the final um, showdown, I was a little miffed. Um, I got why he did it. It made sense, but I was just like, "But oh, you should be there with the team. Um, so I really liked him. Um, Makari is dope. Like her super speed power. Yeah. It was definitely giving me like um, Quicksilver, the Flash vibes. Um, but she also like, she was just kicking ass, taking names. And I loved that um, her character was using sign language, um, which I think is really um. Sort of dope, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But I think the two of them, um, sort of in terms of how they were portrayed and in terms of the power, um, I mean, you know, me, I could go on and be like, Well, I actually love and that, 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 but those are the two I'm going to stick with and shut up. So, uh, you and Omar talk.
1: No, definitely, it's so hard with this movie too because there was like I asked the question, but I still feel like there's like four or five people <laughs> to <Let's laughs> talk about. It. Um, first of all, Camille Nanjani was hilarious. Um, so I just want to affirm that he was probably I feel like he had like some most of the funniest moments in the film he was really funny Um, Makari was probably my favorite character not only was she super dope but she also had this like great energy to her which was really relatable I love that the actor portraying her I thought was like incredible who else did I like it's tough Uh, I don't know I thought Fastos was also Mm-hmm. Um, both like a heartwarming character, but also really funny. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I enjoyed the moments of humor, I guess, because like I said, on the second watch, those stood out a little bit more. So it was really enjoyable. Um, I also th- think that it's um, how f- interesting to see that it wasn't clear before the film who, if there was a main character, because it was this—it's this whole big team. Um, but Cersei really kind of like carries the weight of being kind of like subtly the main character, mm-hmm. and. They have she has a lot to do in terms of carrying the story, holding together the ending and also doing a love triangle without letting it take over the story. And so I thought she was she was a great kind of go to relatable main character as well.
0: Who is your favorite power, though?
1: Oh, who is my favorite power? Um, either Fastos or Cersei, I think. All right. Yeah, because so Cersei's like transfiguration thing was kind of cool. And Festus was just making stuff. That was pretty dope.
0: I am deeply offended that neither of you even bothered to mention Angelina Jolie. How dare you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I have a lot to say about her, but I didn't want to talk too much.
0: Yeah. No, um, I think she had my favorite power because I don't know, it was just so cool. Like she'd be like, This is my weapon. This is my other weapon. I'm just like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love her since I was a kid, so that's that. Uh, Favorite character. I I do love Makari a lot, but I love the humor that um, Kingo and and Fastos brought. I think I have a slight, like, I'm kind of pushing a little bit more for Fastos after Kingo left. I was kind of like, come on. So then Mm -hmm. Fastos really secured out of the two, I consider them to be the two kind of humor guys. So, yeah, I'm leaning a little bit more towards Fastos because of that. Because Kingo left me. Although I have to say, I forgot his name. Kingo's assistant, Karun. Karun. He might have been my favorite character at some point. I just thought he was was so... I love the the random, like, did you get that? I got it, sir.
2: (laughs) Oh, he's so good. It's like, how many cameras did you bring? Because he had like three
0: cameras. Yeah, he was prepared I like that about him
1: yeah he was like he was was, annoyed I
0: was like why are you bringing him and then I was like yes I'm glad you brought him (laughs) happened to this movie
1: yeah I did I enjoyed the Angelina Jolie character Athena as well and I thought her characterization was nicely complex with her physical strength kind of juxtaposed against the mental basically standing for mental health issues that she was having (laughs) um I also, when I first saw that Angelina Jolie was in the movie, I was like, I don't know. Angelina Jolie, like in the MCU. I wasn't really sure about it, to be honest. I was really pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed her performance and I enjoyed the character more than I was expecting. And I enjoyed having multiple women who are older than 25 in the movie.
2: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Sick of this shit. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's one of the things that I know we have it on our agenda to discuss but like, yes, older women can kick ass like we have all of these action heroes who are like in their 50s and 60s like uh, Clint Eastwood still gets to make movies and gets to be a action movie badass why cannot Charlize Theron and Angelina Jolie and Salma Hayek, like why do they not get to continue to be action hero badasses in Mm -hmm. their older age? So I loved that about Fina. And she was also graceful in her fighting um, to sort of uh, be a counter to Makari, who was just like, fuck this guy. And was like, like rapid speed. It was, uh, it was so nice. And then there's more than one woman on the team. So it's not like, one has to encapsulate all of the expectations of what proper femininity or appropriate femininity is. Cause they all got to be women in different ways, just like the men got to be men in different ways. Um, so that was, it was really awesome.
1: And they were all at least in their mid thirties, except Sprite, who obviously is a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, but Ajak, Thena, Wakari and Cersei are all played by women who are like mid thirties or, or, older 50s which is super dope you know because we had scarlett johansson who was 24 when she 24 or 25 when she started the black widow arc and then was like killed off by the time that she was 34 (laughs) you know acting alongside like you said all the men who were like in their mid-40s or some of them in their in their mid-30s so it's just kind of nice it's a nice refresh
2: yeah Love to see it.
1: So I feel like let's let's talk about all of the kind of historical events and representations that they wove in with this. I think this is one of the challenging things as well, Carlos. I and mean, you were saying before when they introduced Guardians of the Galaxy, we're meeting the team, but it's also like the story of that team coming together. And it was just like the five of them, and we were they were kind of meeting each other as well this it's like they have the team they have to introduce the audience to the team of 10 eternals plus they have they have to go back and show us like bits and pieces from this like seven thousand year history of their relationships while also keeping the audience grounded in the present day so that we care at all about what happens to them which Mm -hmm. admittedly is like quite a task what did we think of the this is like pretty kind of fascinating basically like the thesis statement of this movie is that within the mcu the eternals were present at all these like critical junctures in human history um pushing along the technology and kind of being responsible for quote-unquote advances in human civilization from like mesopotamia and then they go to babylon um they make some references to ancient egypt what do we think about this i thought this was like I
0: i have i have like i remember when they first went like Mesopotamia and then I don't know if it was there if it was in Babylon I forget but the one where like Faustos came up with the engine mm-hmm. and they were like, too soon he's like fine here's a plow I remember thinking like I swear if they go to ancient Egypt and try <laughs> to like build the pyramids I will riot because I am so sick of the whole like we can't figure out how they did it must be aliens like that whole narrative ancient aliens I like, yeah, can't believe it. But then I was like, because <laughs> when they were kept visiting all these civilizations, I was like, if they dare take credit, but they didn't. So I was like happy about that because I remember I was like ready. I was like watching it. And I was like, oh, don't even try me. Don't do this to me. I'm, I'm. So I was glad about that. Um, but I'm sure it was still kind of inherent that they were. And I remember being like, like a little bit like, hey, humans can do some dope shit, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I wasn't too mad at it, but I thought it was, I thought it was kind of interesting. I, I actually, what I loved about it is because clearly the writers came up with their names based off of myth, but I love that they made it like the reverse for this. Like, oh yeah, Athena actually was influenced from the eternal Athena and, and that's where you know the goddess got her name from, and then they came up with like the Icarus thing and that. so I thought that that was kind of interesting, the way they tied in myths and made it be like actually it was the eternals
1: <laughs> yeah, I do and I think it's a challenge whenever they do these types of movies where it's like they're super powered beings and they've been here all along. They have to kind of like find this balance between showing what these what these characters were supposed to invest in have been doing for seven thousand years right um, but not like completely undermining human history I guess um so I thought I thought considering how badly this could have gone it was it was handled relatively well um like they were careful to kind of directly show influence in like some the the less political things like Mm -hmm. this plow they were like (laughs) Yeah, he made the plot, but that's it. Guys. Um, and they do kind of reference at one point. They say uh, Makari has sarcophagi, um, or is like sit, or is next to them. Um, so they make references as though like they were there, mm-hmm. but without without kind of overdoing it. Yeah, because um, there's an
2: Anubis statue on the ship when they finally link up with Makari, and she's got like mm-hmm. a whole room of books and stuff, and she's like speed reading, which also I loved. I'm like, I wish I could speed read and comprehend
1: yeah so I thought I thought it was pretty fascinating they went to a bunch of different places which was interesting um I think definitely probably the one we want to talk about is the Aztec empire
2: situation that they got
1: into (laughs) what do we think about this this whole scene
2: so I guess for context in the beginning Dane is talking to Cersei and he's like are you a wizard and she's like no, I'm not a wizard. Um, And she explains being an eternal. And he's like, well, why didn't you help with literally anything that has happened from like the dawn of humanity to, uh, or when you guys arrive to the Thanos snap to now um, the Avengers are in existence. Like there's all these other superheroes. Like we know about Wakanda, all of this stuff has happened. And it's like, why didn't you do anything? And she's like, we're not supposed to interfere. And then we go through the story and it's like, but you have given little boost to technology. It's like, okay, humans need to advance. They're not going quickly enough. Here's a plow. And then humans are able to advance. And then there's the scene where it's like, well, humanity's gone too far with the bomb. Um, and the city that's destroyed by this big bomb um, and Faustos is sort of blaming himself. And that's sort of when he is done with humanity in that sort of quick scene. Um, but Druig, who has the power of mind control, um, uh, was not happy not being involved and not using his powers to control people and to get them to do what he wants. And so during what he calls a genocide of the native peoples by the conquistadors, he makes them stop and sort of stays in Central America and in South America controlling his villagers, um, largely indigenous and... (laughs) other people of color and it's like yikes 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 yeah I was a little you were getting it we we're like
0: oh
1: I mean I, I actually couldn't kind of couldn't believe when they were doing the original scene not the one where we go back to droid but the first one where they're like showing the whole kind of like conquistadors like just coming and like you know assaulting indigenous populations I was like yo you guys like um I but I thought I I was like okay again for something that could have gone like terribly wrong in the portrayal I didn't think I I think like it wasn't awful but it was kind of like this is a real bold move and whenever they do these movies again where like the blame is kind of taken off the real historical events Mm -hmm. Uh, well not in this case but it's always just kind of dicey territory i feel like it's this difficult ethical question where like you said carlos they're like oh well how come you didn't like help with anything they're like well we're not supposed to but you do see them interfering in other ways so it's sort of like a suspension of disbelief thing i think it's just like just go with it that's (laughs) the explanation of the film um i do think it was like a potentially I guess triggering kind of scene to just throw in there in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I guess they also didn't stay on it gratuitously long. Yeah. Um, and by far the crew, it's sort of, you know, you do, I like, I liked what they did with the Druid character mm-hmm. because typically in Carlos, you're more of a um, comic book aficionado <laughs> than I am but like typically he's like the one that's like the sketchball right like he's the one that flips on the others and a lot of the Eternals comics but they inverted that a little bit and they had to be Icarus which I thought was a, a good choice and you see he's supposed to be like carrying this weight where like he's the one that is literally able to just sort of like mind control people and stop the violence that they're witnessing year after year if, if he wants to but he's just like supposed to, not supposed to um so i I thought it was an interesting characterization that he's been struggling with it um and so you're kind of you empathize with that and then he goes off and starts this like super creepy commune for 500 years um so when we come back to him in the amazon it's it gives real like creepy white savior but also cult yes yes Cult in the Amazon vibes, and he is still like mind controlling people as they come through. So that was that was something.
2: Yeah, that was yeah. one of those moments where I'm like, okay, I need to text the thread because what the right. fuck is happening here? Um, I think they were very selective in the events they chose. So I don't want to make this comparison because one of these is a good movie and the other is not. But the Minions movie had a similar thing where it's like, oh, the minions are not a creation by Gru, but they have been existence from the beginning and they find the biggest villain. And they conveniently do not have World War II and the Holocaust as a part of the story. They basically freeze the minions so that they don't have to entangle with that in a children's movie. Um and here they were selective about which historical events to right. engage with. I can't imagine being an outsider, having to watch this, having the power to change something and having to bear the guilt of that for thousands of years. Yeah. Like mm. would I, had I had Druig's powers, would I have done similar to keep the peace, engage in, Super culty mind control, which is kind of the MCU conversation with the X-Men, with Mm -hmm. Professor Xavier, like, he has the power to control all of these minds and get into people's heads. Where do you draw the ethical line with humans have free will to do things? (sighs) I don't but know if I have a point. He needs his power. He never got
0: like even like the little arguments. They'd be like, "Now, Druid, you know you're not supposed to." It's like, well, "What the fuck do I have this power for?" Mm, he yeah. couldn't ever use it. He could it never do anything. Like all the other people could like use their powers and have fun with it. Like he just sitting there like, "Well, I have this power. It's my only power, and I can never use it." Like every time I use it, someone's like, "Now, now, now." Mm-hmm. So I right. I'd, I'd probably do the same thing. I'd be like, you're forcing me to watch all this. I can't do anything about it. And I was like, I'm going to, yeah, I'd be, I probably would have done the same thing. You know, There's
1: also, an as we're talking about it, there's an implicit message to the film and to the whole narrative that the humans need war and conflict to advance, yes. which is like pretty, pretty shitty. Um, but I guess it is it is coming from this like Arisham, who ultimately is like basically plays a villainous role. But nonetheless, that's like we're also that's also something we're just supposed to like take to be the case. They're like you can't interfere because mm-hmm. if you don't let them fight each other, they won't advance. And it's kind of like so that's what we're going with. That's like
2: <laughs> yeah, they explicitly a, say it. Takeaway, yeah, yeah they're yeah. like medicine yeah. and technology don't advance without war, which from certain sociological perspectives like kind of true in certain like there are certain historical events that we saw that like this is what pushed it forward it's like world war ii industry changed forever because of the the need to sort of it's a fucked up thing but it's like you don't expect that to be the thesis statement of a marvel movie but that is a it's a dark take. <laughs> yes, it's a dark take. But again, you don't expect to see it in a Marvel movie where it's like there's like fart jokes and, and like Mary Poppins references in the MCU. And then you have this where it's like, without war and conflict, humanity would not advance. And that is what we're sticking with. That's the thesis statement. And that is going to lead to our inevitable destruction.
1: Right. And the thing is they need they need that, otherwise the story doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise it's like, wait, why are they not like stopping? On? You know, they need they need that explainer in there. I also wanted to throw back to something you said a, f- a few minutes ago, Carlos, about Fastos, the scene where he's like in the the aftermath of the atom bomb being dropped and he feels like he like contributed. Um, and there's de- definitely some tension in that scene around the fact that they didn't the movie di- chose not to engage with U.S. Slavery and chattel mm-hmm. slavery and yeah. uh, the enslavement of African people, and they just s- sailed past that. And I will say, not that many movies uh, still engage with the fact that the U.S. dropped the A bomb. Mm-hmm. So I'll take, uh, you know, I'll take that critique because it's like, you know, we just love to ignore that because um, we're the heroes, um, we're not the super bad guys. Atrocity, you know, um, yeah. so it was. I was. In, I, I I thought that was a powerful scene. Um, but like you said, Carlos, there's def- definitely like selective choices, and honestly, I think it's you know for the best because we don't need every single piece of human tra- trauma paraded across the screen yeah. for audiences yeah. to have to grapple with. I think with, that, that but... was a
0: very smart choice to not do, to not go to not go there. You know what I mean? Because that that would have yeah. been like too like trauma porn kind of, and
1: yeah, and there's so. nothing you can set. Like, Right there's yeah like, there's really nothing like what do you what are they gonna do? Go and be like I guess we shouldn't interfere. Like no, no one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then that gets into the the historical revisionism that we see with something like ancient aliens. It's like oh, does Druid cause a revolt that like we don't need to engage in that line of inquiry given where a lot of people already don't understand U.S. history um, and global history at that so it's like okay maybe it was for the best that we just bypass this to modernity (laughs) jump forward to the Thanos snap.
1: Speaking of aliens and things that are mythical um, I enjoyed the legends that they referenced throughout the film and For one, they 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 imply or straight out say that like the Arthurian legend is is real mm-hmm. is historical canon in the MCU, so that was fun. Because Arthur He's had like, a crush oh, on I'm Athena. It's yeah. <laughs> like oh Arthur always had a crush on you. Um, so that, that was fun as well, in addition to the like Tinkerbell,
0: Icarus,
1: yeah. Athena, King. Minus I like references. the little
0: did you guys notice at the end that Icarus Blue too close to the sun.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, In so my exciting. notes, I have real fuckboy shit. All <laughs> yeah,
0: right, I just love that he like fulfilled that story. And he was yeah. like, oh, I guess if uh, no one likes me, I'm just going to... He
1: said, they've been saying this show, I might as well do it. <laughs>
2: right? Yeah. And also, how do you... I don't think there was a way for him to come back from... No. Dan... He thought he killed Druig... He did kill Ajak. Like, there is no coming back from that. He damn near killed his whole team and destroyed the planet, which he knew was what he was supposed to do from jump. But, like, I don't think you come back from that. So it's, like, self-ostracization or, in his case, immolation.
1: Yeah, although, I also, the reason I said real fuckboy shit is because I feel like they played it like, he was like, girl, I'm sorry, man. (laughs) <laughs> but I, <laughs> I was just trying to be the man you needed me to be. but right? It didn't work out, so I'm blind mm-hmm. to the sun. <laughs> like, so there was that.
0: No one could defeat him. It was only he who could defeat himself. Sort of thing. I don't know. That, Interesting. Yeah. I'm still pissed about that whole like it took like all of them together and they still couldn't hold him down. Like I, I just hate that one overpowered like villain trope that the entire team somehow can't get through and then like the suddenly... anyway that's just me
1: yeah although they were like also trying to do other things at the moment yeah
0: but like you know yeah
1: no I agree though I totally agree actually with your yeah, yeah, it was yeah. he was way overpowered
0: yeah yeah like it was flight the eyes and what else
2: just strong
1: he was just the strongest
0: just white privilege I don't know <laughs>
2: I mean, yeah, because if we compare him to Gilgamesh, like Gilgamesh has the the, like power gauntlets and is super strong. Athena is a super strong warrior and it like she's the inspiration for Athena, goddess of war and wisdom in the Greek pantheon. So it's like she's a badass, but like she's also sort of nerfed. She's not in her prime because she has the parallel for mental illness that ends up being sort of. What was it called again? I'm trying to remember. Like I kept hearing like
0: Mad Mary and I was like, well, that's not right.
2: I I think it's like Murray. Mad Mary. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah. So that's like, she doesn't have her full capacity because she's been Hmm. sinking into this sort of bad mental health space, which we later find out is because they have been, rebooted and reset every time they're sent to a planet and so it's kind of ptsd from her past incarnations where it's like no we're all gonna die this person's killing us like we're screwed and those memories are seeping through and so interestingly icarus tries to throw that at cersei when she gets the the power gem to connect to ashram from Ass slider, yeah. It's like ugh, you're just making things up, you're probably losing your mind the way Fina is, which is another way to sort of
1: wow kick what the women bullshit. aside.
2: And exactly,
1: exactly,
0: it really, really was. He was like, I just left to protect you, hmm. I, I broke up with you without saying a word to protect you.
2: I'd be like, What? And they were married. It's not just like they were dating and he ghosted her. They got married in ancient Babylon and then he left. No, 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 no,
0: it was uh,
2: in the Indian subcontinent. Oh, in Mm. India, they got married in India and he just broke out for hundreds of years, question mark, maybe longer, maybe thousands of years, like word, okay. Okay, I see. Let me tell you, I feel like
0: ghosting is the absolute worst thing to do in these situations. Yo, if I saw, if I were her and I saw him like him fly back, you know when uh, the what are they called? I almost call them Decepticons. What are deviants. They there we go. <laughs> and the deviants came back, and he showed up, and be like, "You got some nerve!
1: Some nerve! Oh no
0: damn face! Together
1: for five thousand years, you <laughs> disappeared. How dare you!" That being said, while we were talking about the like rebooting and just because we were talking about character deaths a minute ago, mm-hmm. I, I do think it's also important to note that like they make it clear that basically any of these characters can be rebooted at any time because they mentioned throughout the film that like the subconsciouses, there's got to be a word for that, but <laughs> subconscious <subcontre, laughs> <The> um, <laughs> are stored in the ship basically. So they any of these characters like I don't think Eternals did as well as they were hoping for it but they were they were definitely prepared for it to do well. So I definitely think we'll see a lot of these characters in future MCU films and if Eternals somehow does become popular like they could bring back icarus they could bring back any of those characters if they wanted to, mm-hmm. which makes the whole thing
0: they got harry
2: styles now. True. Yeah. Sorry, you okay. can't see, but I just made a face.
1: <laughs> I know people were really excited for that. I feel like I I didn't need that.
2: He doesn't do anything for me. I'm just like, okay, another twink in the MCU. Great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll give him that, like, first of all, I didn't know who he I know who he is, but I didn't, like, recognize him. So <laughs> he came on in the theater and people were like, woo. And I was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> but anyway point is uh i'll give him that I, he did a good job in his scene considering yeah. typically been known as a singer um i feel like so let's talk a little bit about the characters do we want to talk about the fact? so they gender swapped and race swapped a bunch of characters um get for into this? It. I, sorry what omar
0: no sorry i said let's get into it
1: yeah i i mean i don't even know if there's that much to talk about i think it's i think they did it pretty well um the original team i think it's like seven or eight of them are men so they gender swapped sprite they gender swapped macari and they gender swapped ajak so that means eight of the them originally are men and then as far as i know they also race swapped like a bunch of characters because the the team in the the original team in the comics was much whiter. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they came in with the characters and an attempt to kind of like more accurately
0: reflect. I think they should have race swapped Druig only because of like how dicey that mind control thing became. Like, mm-hmm. and like, you're saying like the white savior. Like I was like, yeah, but they almost could have avoided it if they made him like literally any other race, you know. Mm-hmm. And I understand that the Eternals don't have like races per se, but come on now. We know the actors do. Glad to see a more diverse cast. I always think that that's like I, I I always get like weirded out when people are like, No, but it's not the original. I'm like, right, but maybe the original wasn't that great. Like, you yeah. know, like when like they have like Ariel from The Little Mermaid uh being portrayed mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. Chloe Bailey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like everyone's like, No, but the original is white. I'm like the original is like not only that the original like if you want to go back to the original story that oh it's danish and like i'm like she's not danish it's a danish author he didn't say like this mermaid is like my my kindred no he's just like written and she has like blue skin i think in the original so anyway there is sorry i'm getting on a tangent um no i'm glad to see um that it was that it was like more diverse, and I and I love to see that the leader was a woman of color. I think that was awesome. And both and both, yeah. Even after Ajax like left the the mantle, she passed right on by the white dude and gave it to uh, Cersei.
2: Even though Kingo well, had just him killed
0: boss. Him <laughs> Yeah, that I was kind of like, come on, now Kingo,
2: have some self respect. No, but I feel like that's a. A thing that is definitely uh, a relevant conversation. It's like, who would you expect in a lot of mainstream uh, movies to be the leader, to be the second in command? You wouldn't expect it to be Ajax, and then you'd expect it to be Icarus, sort of he sort of fits the mold of what Hollywood expects the the leading hero to be, which is why he has like Superman-esque, but I will say comic book nerds seem to calm down. Um, I am a comic book nerd. So many of these properties were written in the thirties and forties. So many of them were written by white men. They were written, these characters were written as white men, straight white men, cisgender straight white men. So, Race swapping and gender bending um, is good if you want to bring these old stories to life, um, to bring um, new perspectives, to bring in um, new conversations. Because there's, it's gonna hit different. There's new stories you can tell when the now leader of the team is an Asian woman played by Gemma Chan. When you have a deaf uh, superhero, like that is important just in terms of representation. But it's also important about the. Types of stories you can tell where everyone in this movie was multilingual. Like, you don't get that in a lot Mm. of uh, superhero movies. You don't get that in a lot of mainstream movies where characters are speaking sign language and English and Hindi and whatever other, they were speaking, I guess, ancient Babylonian. They were speaking all of these ancient languages. You don't get that often. And it feels different when the characters are played by actors from different parts of the world. It looks different, it feels different. And so it's like, yes, do people of color deserve original characters? Yes, we do. We deserve all the Miles Morales's and all of these other original characters. But also if we're gonna tell these old comic book stories, we need to bring them to the present day. If they were written today, they wouldn't be written as white or male as they were. So I think it's important that we do that. And with the gender piece, not just young women, I want to see older women kicking ass because older women can kick ass. Angelina Jolie, I see her kicking ass for another 20, 30 years. Let's go. I want to see it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to step off my soapbox.
1: <laughs> they're, they're also like pretty obscure characters. So it's like, yeah. hey, let's revamp them now. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> like... I mean, I'm not a comic book nerd at all, but I've heard of like many of the superheroes. I've never heard of the Eternals.
1: Right. So no, they're a not big, a mainstream team. But yeah. it, they're all. It's also not that old. Oh, they're not you know, because I think this one came out in like the mid '80s. I want to say, which is which is pretty old because we're old. But um I also read that they're now re like they're the newer comics are now reflecting how the characters were written for the movie, mm-hmm. um which I think is a, a great like swap. You know what I mean? Because it was really, I mean, first of all, it makes more sense. <laughs> And second of all, it's really affirming to see um. Just like a broader characterization of humanity.
2: No, so I just looked it up. Uh, The Eternals made their first appearance in Eternals number one, July 1976. So yeah, it's not like the Supermans and Batmans of detective comics of the the 30s and 40s. But still, the point stands, a lot of the the stories that were being made did not have multiracial, multigender, multisexuality representation in mind. And we saw this with a lot of comic adaptations that once the comic movie comes out, the show comes out, that affects the comics because new people come to comics trying to see Mm -hmm. the stories of the people they saw on screen. So now Cersei's gonna look like Gemma Chan in the comics. like They're going to look like their screen counterparts, which has its upsides and downsides. Like we get to tell new stories, new adventures, but then it also shifts the canon. And so it can be difficult for new fans to figure out where to start. but start with whatever cover looks cool. Start with whatever art you're into. Start with whatever hero's journey you want to explore and then go from there. There is no rules. Um, just enjoy the ride.
1: So we also wound up in this movie then with like multiple firsts. Right? So I think Fastos was there was like some articles about him being the first openly gay superhero. Super, <laughs> super hero. Superhero. superhero. Superhero in the MCU. They had that one scene. Of like a civilian and that doesn't count was, that was yeah there that was really not much um and then i think macari is the first deaf superhero in the mcu although they then had um in the hawkeye series mm-hmm. there's a deaf character and that who is i know the actor is alakwa cox but i can't get her the name of the character in my head but Loved her character and first South Asian superhero. So a lot, a lot of first. I also thought not to move us too far off the conversation of representation, but I kind of mentioned this before. But I enjoyed the like inversion of the fact that so Icarus is this like conventionally attractive, like strapping man, and Druid is like kind of a funny looking dude. And so many of the times in stories we see people who are. Per- who are portrayed as like unconventional looking or conventionally unattractive either sometimes this has to do with like weight or body type or sometimes just like physically unattractive there's this trope of like oh the like evil witch with like a like right. m- with you know moles on her face or something or like the ugly equals cute. bad ugly thank you carlos for <laughs> super simplifying my tangent. So I enjoyed the fact that they inverted this and even though Drew had this super creepy situation in the Amazon, at the end ultimately he's got like some more lighthearted scenes. He's on like the the good guys team basically. Um, and Icarus is the one who plays them all in ter- terms terms turns out to be um, a super sketchball. So I thought that was that was good too cuz I feel like we we run into that a lot with the like pretty pretty equals good. Mm-hmm trope and characters and you know that's a lot of bullshit
2: so yeah yeah no it's definitely nice to see um because a lot of mainstream movies just constantly play into that so it's it's nice when the 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 good guys get to look different and do not fit to one sort of body type or one sort of ability status or one sort of um set of identities you love to see it you love to see it (laughs) What are our thoughts on the scenes of
1: Fastos and his partner and son?
0: Let me tell you, I didn't, I didn't read up anything. but um, I remember when he called in, he was like, Habibi, I was like, hold up. I'm like, I didn't realize, because that's actually a huge deal. Mm. And I remember hearing that in, I think, some country in the Middle East, I forget which one, refused to play Eternals unless they cut out the scene. And the, they were like, no, 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 we're not cutting it out. And they were like, well, we're not playing it. And I, rem- and I just didn't expect, I was like, oh, the guy, what? So, I, because that's huge, you bear. I mean, queer representation is not really, it already is lacking a lot, but queer Middle Eastern, North African representation, I was like, oh shit, mm-hmm. I didn't expect that. So I was like, that's pretty cool. So I thought that that was pretty dope. I loved, it made me love because at first I was kind of like, all right, Faustos is like the angry, nerd but then I love seeing him in this you really got to see his sense of humor um during those scenes yeah Um, and just kind of also that complexity of like hating mankind but seeing that there is some beauty there as well Mm -hmm. that was let me tell you that that scene with with the atomic bomb was really powerful to watch where he was just like they they do the worst to each other and, and then to have him when you see him again be like, "I have seen that there's also this like I think that that, that was the most important takeaway from the movie. that kind of complexity in Faustos's view of humankind.
2: yeah, yeah great. It's really beautiful to see, especially him having a family after all of that after seven, thousand years of watching humanity do increasingly terrible things, worse because of the technology that we're able to use. Like we went from having bows and arrows to having atomic bombs, to having bombs that could level entire cities um, and to come back from that and to have a child, to have a relationship with human, to be willing to put one's life on the line to protect this planet that at the time, in the grand scheme of things, you have little connection to because you could easily just leave because you've been to other planets. You have a home planet. You can go somewhere else. You could even, in theory, take your family with you, but to fight for this planet and its people and for the chance for there to be a better tomorrow and for that person to be a a queer person, an out queer person, an, a married queer person with a child. Like it just checks so many of the boxes because you usually don't get all of those in one character. And it's really nice to see. Um, I'm hoping that we can get more movies like this where it's part of the story and not thrown on for, Uh, Brownie points like oh we did so good which was my thing with Joe Russo saying um, oh my husband as uh, a character in the support group it's like you don't matter like where in the story does this character matter if you take Faustos out the story falls apart. If you right. take his husband and his child out, his character does not develop in the same way. So they are right. relevant to the story. We need yeah. relevant queer characters. Um, we need relevant characters of color. We need characters that if you take them out or exchange them for a sexy lamp, they still, they affect the story. Um, and that's a thing, it's called the sexy lamp test where if you replace a woman with a sexy lamp, if the story does not change, she is not a central character. She is not uh, a, a character. Was, She's set what dressing.
0: What are talking about? But yeah, like it's that. a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: and there's the Vito Russo test, which is about, does a queer character have their own journey? Are they openly queer? Um, these are the types of conversations that we have when we are critiquing media. And his character, I think, fits really well and does a really good job existing out and openly um, not hiding. And then having a, a queer partner uh, played by Haas Lehmann like is beautiful because that man is fine. I love looking at him, <laughs> which is not the point that's not part of the story. But um, if you want to slide into my DM, sir, they are open.
1: Call <laughs> him. <laughs> I, I think the whole, the interrogation of character and relationships and humanity was very, is very like Chloe Zhao. The director that's her whole her whole vibe um and she has some really beautiful artistry that reflected that in the film um which was pretty dope i think she is the first woman of color director so far um although i know the marvels is also is directed by a black woman that's coming out i think this year or next year soonish i saw her other films and you know it's very she's got a a, a footprint for sure should we talk for a minute about um, Sprite?
0: Fuck Sprite. <laughs> <laughs> my notes for this episode, they like, damn Sprite. Like, I was damn so, Sprite. I loved Sprite at the beginning, and I got so oh. hurt when I saw what she did. At first, I was like, I get it. She loves him. She's silly. But then I was just like, oh my God, you suck. Why would you stop? But then, damn, I- right in the back. Yeah. <laughs> But I also, like, I kind of felt bad for her, too. You know what it made me think of? Do you remember Interview with a Vampire? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, wait, what's her name? Kristen Dunst. I don't remember her Kristen character's Dunst. name. Anyway, she's, like, transformed as into a vampire as a child. So she never grows up. And she's always, like, pissed as hell about it. And, like, so I get it. And it, it was actually interesting because, you know, we especially us like sad millennials, we talk about like, oh man, I miss childhood, that was the best years. Oh, okay, just me. <laughs> <later. laughs>
1: I, I don't know about that.
0: No, but you know, you talk about yeah, like- Yeah, um, yeah. nostalgia. Uh, it's, it, it was interesting to have this right character be like, you get to grow up, you get to experience more, you get to have families. and Like you forget that yeah. all these are not available to you when you're a child, really.
1: Yeah, I totally, like, I felt really bad for her because, like, that's wild, you know what I mean? She's around 7,000 years and the whole time caught in this situation where, like, she can't have romantic relationships with people. And you get the impression that, like, even, like, her physiology is that of a prepubescent or, like, early adolescent person. So it's, like, it's a whole thing. So I definitely felt bad. Here's what I didn't love. I mean, first of all, obviously... She was wild for that when she was like, I'm coming with you, Icarus. And then she stabbed Cersei in the back, like, damn, right? But I did feel, feel bad for her. I wish they did, had not put in the romantic interest mm. I, for Icarus, because here's what frustrates me. It's like, it becomes, oh, she did it because she was in love with him.
2: She did it for the boy.
1: And it's totally unnecessary because she already has A significant driving force Uh, in the fact that like yo I'm stuck in this body where I'm not able to fully live among them even though she's you know not actually a child and that's plenty of motivation and then they they like throw in this thing where like oh and she's in love with Icarus and it becomes that and that's that's one thing that I'm like why did why was that there like why why bother because then it leans into the trope of like she's gonna stab her best friend in the back who's like been by her side because she wants her men Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and i just thought it was it was unnecessary thing to do when she already had a strong motivation
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it was an interesting moment with kingo actually that that you reminded me of oh yeah like like you abandoned me and he was like yeah, well, people got freaked out by yeah. you not aging. So I was getting sick of moving her. Like, I remember being like, holy shit, Sprite has been yeah. so abandoned by so many people, you know, just because of, like living with her is hard, which is also
1: inconvenient. Yeah. Uh,
0: which is like kind of also like Cersei's the one who stuck by her and then for her to step her, that, that that was like, damn.
1: And then she was devastated at the end when, when they first killed the Celestia. Still, who was emerging, she was uh, really upset. She's like, He's dead. And it's like, you could see that she was playing at that. Like, so now I'm stuck in this situation forever
0: mm-hmm. until
1: yeah. then. Until then, Cersei like changes her to a human.
0: Yeah, I thought that was the best thing to do. I remember being like, Yeah, I don't think fuck spray anymore. Like, she had very legitimate mm-hmm. reasons for what she did. I don't agree with her actions, but I understand them. And I am glad she gets to be a human
2: now. My thing was of all the things that Cersei could have done with the powers, she turns old girl into a human after literally getting stabbed in the back, she could have done so many other things for this planet she claims to love, but then that would have gotten into a different political conversation. I don't think Marvel was ready to do. It's like, oh, the earthquake and the emerging uh, Celestial is what warmed the ice and brought the Deviants out. I'm like, not climate change? And we're not gonna do anything yeah, about climate I,
0: change. That pissed off <laughs> a little bit. I was, like, I was like, hold up, don't blame climate change on a Celestial. These are very legitimate things that we need to fix.
2: Yeah. So, which wouldn't make sense for the plot, but I was just like, I was still pissed at Sprite in the moment. So I'm like, man, fuck Sprite. Fix climate change. Stop war. Like,
1: do yeah. something else. <laughs> Except that if they do any of that, then they have to like deal with it in all the next movies. Yeah. Yes. Which, as is, I'm like, so you're just gonna deal with the fact that this like stone man is half emerged in the Indian Ocean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, great.
0: I think was Can't wait like, to see even uh, Spider
1: Man makes of that. <laughs>
0: my thing was like, well, but global warming, he's gonna melt real quick. <laughs> <laughs> don't even worry about it. I don't know, I'm kind of sick of the whole, like, MCU snap, like Thanos snap storyline. I, I don't think, I'm, I said it over and over, I don't think it makes sense, you know, to, to have like people gone for five years and then come back exactly the same while everyone else aged five years like
1: so you and the you you got like the Thanos was right t-shirts and shit?
0: No, I mean I mean I I mean listen it kind of made some sense. But but <laughs> my it's all like I did, No no, I just didn't like how they undid it. Mm-hmm. I thought it should have been was, like It was it was I thought they should have just went back in time and stopped it there, but no, just to bring everyone back. I felt like that was so odd because I always said, like, my friend was like, no, but they just came back and then life goes on. I'm like, okay, but think of it this way. You have indivi- you have uh, identical twins. One of them phases out, then they come back and now they're identical twins, but one's five years older. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it but just, it's messy. And I'm, I'm just like,
1: you also can't know. just like undo five years of people's lives either though. That was the whole thing. Like, I
0: understand, like like Iron Man's, like, don't get rid of my daughter. I'd be like, listen, I get what she's coming from, but common good of the earth. I don't know. Um, I I do feel like the Marvel you cinematic universe is a little overly complicated for me.
1: It's definitely gotten that way. (laughs) Yeah. But now they're doing the multiverse, so everything is just gonna be like, it's another universe, don't worry about it. Don't don't Um, yeah. So we've been talking
2: for a while oh, Sorry Carlos, Did you want to say something about that? No, 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 I was just going to uh, Sort of add to the, the conversation About just the complexity It's like the more stuff they add in The more stuff that can become plot holes In earlier movies Can sort of undo some of the earlier conversations That can make it a bit more complicated um, But it'll be interesting to see How the shows um, on Disney Plus Sort of handle building the universe and how the new um multiverse storylines question mark m- uh, marvel phase four how that um sort of shifts some dynamics around
1: i'm into it and maybe we'll come back and do another episode maybe when dr strange 2 comes out the last thing i wanted to say and i'll ask you guys if you have final thoughts i enjoyed the end credits not just um Not the end credits, not the mid credits and end credits scene. I mean, those were fun, but the end credits themselves, when they started pulling up kind of like images from artifacts all over the world and kind of zooming it, like they showed Stonehenge, and then they were zooming in on different like artistic depictions of creatures that looked like they could be the Deviants, and then images that looked like they could be one or multiple of the Eternals. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, that that was cool to me. Like I, I was just like, you know, you all, it, it was a cool way to tie it together. It almost makes you feel like, look, like, like this is this is what it is. Like this this mm-hmm. is human humanity documenting like the existence of these beings throughout the millennia. So I thought that was really that was really cool. Um, little historical, socio historical Easter eggs in there at the end. Um, and I enjoyed that. Um so for for you guys though. Like I said, since we've been talking for a little while, do we have any final thoughts or things that we wanted to talk about from the film that we didn't get to address?
0: Um, Gilgamesh, I don't know. I, I guess Gilgamesh deserved better. I don't know.
1: So. Gilgamesh was the, probably the, the one character that I felt like didn't get. I mean, there was a lot of characters and so a lot of them didn't didn't get as much as they could have used, but he probably got the least yeah. character development and like stuff to do. And he's supposed to be super strong as well. I guess in theory they could bring him back in the future, but I think they honestly were just like, we got to thin the ranks a little bit. But yeah, he, he was probably yeah, I mean, just the character four that examples, deserved right, it
0: Ajax, Gilgamesh, Sprite, and Icarus.
1: You said we lost four? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Sprite, I don't know, like they can bring any of them back, So, but I don't think it was popular enough for them to have like a four film franchise, so I don't know when they'll come back, but I think it was probably for the best of the situation with Sprite too because they have that the actor has to like is oh gonna right. age because she's she's right, young, yeah. you know. So I could see her coming back, but for sure I know we'll see Cersei and Dean Whitman.
2: Oh yeah, I'm sure the Avengers are gonna show up and have to have a conversation, be like, y'all have been here, like what's what's like, going on? What's up?
1: <laughs> well, they but they got some of them all like off planet as well except for now for now except they've yeah. got kid Harkin ready to be in the blade movie mm-hmm. <laughs> that's gonna be fun
2: yeah which means we're gonna have another movie or show where, where it's like so where have the vampires been hiding this whole time yeah, just just waiting tough. for it's them like, to explain the x-men if they finally ever do that
1: they're gonna do How that are they, they gonna do it to right now yeah
0: I'm excited to see. Listen, X Men is my favorite. That any superhero movie with X Men, I want to
2: watch. Yeah, no, the X Men are they are like they've been the A team for so for so many years. They're bringing back the 90s style cartoon, picking up where it left off. Like, so my final thoughts: love the movie. We'll watch it again. Um, I want to see Chloe Zhao do um, a lot more work. I want to see more from all of these actors. I want to see more older women, more um, deaf uh, superheroes. Like, I just want more of everything. Um, And I think that this is a great um, jumping off point. I'm excited for where uh, Mahershala Ali's Blade movie is going to come out and sort of how he's going to fit into the MCU. Um, But I'm also hoping that this opens up room for other types of superhero stories, and then other types of stories in general. Like that's been my running kick for the last couple of episodes of the show. Just I want more. I want more, and now I'm working on making some of that more. Um, so stay tuned.
1: <laughs> I enjoyed this movie a lot. I don't think it deserved quite the like. I feel like it got it got a pretty tough critique. Um, I'm not sure it deserved it. Although it, de- I I do think it definitely needed a trim Mm -hmm. but i i think the project that they set out to do with all these characters and all this history was a big was a tall order i also i know we've kind of said this throughout the episode but i like i really enjoyed the cast um just not just in terms of their identities but like specifically i felt like everybody pulled their weight everybody was funny when they were supposed to be funny everybody had like heart when they were supposed to i just like I I enjoyed the cast quite a bit and it's tough because it was so many characters again Mm -hmm. Um, but I felt connected especially on the second watch I felt connected to a lot of the characters which I do feel like is a testament to the character work that Chloe Zhao did which she was sort of critiqued for doing like lingering too much on that so it's a tough balance but I enjoyed it Um, I'm ready to see what comes next as well I'm ready for some meteor solo stories for the women characters and the characters of color um i don't think we've had a good woman-fronted mcu movie yet sorry like captain marvel i thought was Ooh. successful but mess <laughs> i i didn't i didn't love it and i don't think it stands up all that well um, i know some people did love it though and black widow was it just should have been made in 2010 so it just it was a mess um, so i'm excited to see what comes next and yeah omar
0: final thoughts um, I liked it I uh, will probably only rewatch the fight scenes on YouTube or something like that <laughs> um, okay it was long it was good it was don't get me wrong I liked it but I, I couldn't watch it again you know but yeah I, I'm, I'm, I'll look forward to seeing what comes next you know me I, I, like me and the, the MCU are, are like I'll only like watch a couple of their movies I haven't seen too much of it actually. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but this, was, this was good. So I, I, I give it a thumbs up.
1: So hype stars.
2: Carlos, to you. I think I'm going to give it three and a half hype stars. I feel like some of the story choices um, left me lacking. Um, some of the character choices, um, things that the characters did, things that we positioned the characters with um, were a little dicey. I think it does a lot of good setup for things to come. Um, mm. I love, like I said, the the characters, the the representation, the possibility, the the queer uh, storyline. Um, I thought it hit really well. The conversation about war and technology and advancement and. I think it opened up a lot of room for discussion in the broader MCU. Um, if enough people see the movie and give it a chance, given that it does do things a little differently than some of the other uh, Marvel films thus far, but yeah, I think I think three and a half is a, a good a good number of hype stars um, for me. Definitely watch it, um, but it definitely has some moments where I'm like, eh, mm-hmm. yeah, Omar.
0: Um, I was gonna say the same, actually. My I was debating between three and four. Um, honestly, all the same reasons as Carlos, really. He summed it up, so I'm not gonna repeat it. I, the representation makes me kind of wanna give it a four. Yeah. But I don't know. So I, I guess, cause yeah, there were some like iffy stuff. I'll say, I'll say uh, three and a half. I got to be honest, like I wouldn't rewatch it, so.
1: Yeah, I was also going to say 3.5, so I guess we're in agreement. Again, I enjoyed it on the second watch, and I was not really looking forward to watching it the second time in preparation for our episode. I was like, oh. Um, but I enjoyed the character moments, I enjoyed the cast, I enjoyed the possibilities that it set up. I honestly think that part of what made it drag was that they had to set up the Dean Whip. Dane Whitman I've been saying Dane Whitman Dane Whitman character so in the beginning we have to spend time with him because they wanted him to be set up for future movies I wonder if maybe if they had not tried to squeeze that in as well maybe we would have just started right away with um, Cersei and Icarus and then just you know kind of gone through like that maybe that would have helped it not drag so much but same thing 3.5 but I you know and I was excited about this film and I would watch more of them. So, you know, Marvel. I would
0: definitely watch like (laughs) the second movie, but not rewatch the first, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, they did all this groundwork and they got some... they've gotten it hasn't been the most successful yeah i
0: think i'm sure it'll be better the second movie
1: i i really hope that they're not discouraged and that they keep building on this because i do think they did all this great groundwork so now there's a lot of directions it could go and i'd be interested to see it and i hope a lot of the characters cross over in different films and tv Mm -hmm. adaptations that marvel is doing all over the place so down to see what's next let's go All right, so that's it for our discussion of the MCU Eternals movie, and we'll be back soon with our next discussion.
0: Bye.